0: so um i wanted to ask you about the hero's journey so i was first introduced to hero's journey myself back in the early 90s when i first started doing men's work and men's psychology work so i was uh curious when i i think i first brought the idea to you maybe three years ago and um what what was your experience when you first got when you first looked at it and first read about it first watched the first video about what was your first impression with it
1: yeah when we first when you first uh Introduced me to it. We had obviously been talking about uh, How I viewed coaching and stuff like that and like my experience and how it didn't start very well Or you know, well, it started. Well, I I, you know, I struggled at my End point in high school and then from there I went to college and I didn't have like the uh, storybook um, Division one wrestling career and then I found my way back to the division so the context of my experience you said, "Hey, you might be interested in uh, Joseph Campbell's work," and then that's when you sent me the DVD. And after I watched it, it was like it was like everything clicked because I, I had <clears throat> come to that point of uh, realization of what my experience was. Okay.
0: Was it the, the Finding Joe DVD? Yes. Yeah, okay. And because um, I, when I first, before I watched that, because I'd known about him, but I, it all had all been through different books on Campbell. And um, it was actually Solomon did a TED Talk who was the director of... Mm-hmm. Um, the finding Joe video and that's what first got me intrigued about it. And then, and then of course they talked about it in the, in the Ted talk. He talked about that. it was his hero's journey to do a documentary about the hero's journey. And, um, and so, okay. So, so it gave you a context in which to kind of maybe map out what, what you had gone through and, or yeah, what you had gone through at that time period now. At that time, were you were you coaching at that time, or were you just helping out? How was how was no, that? No, because
1: I came back to Rockford and I started coaching at Boiling.
0: Oh, that's what it was. Okay, you were at yeah. Boiling at that time. Okay, and um, so and that was your – Now you were head coach at Boiling at that time. Yep. Okay, so it was, you went from having a couple different coaching experience obviously wrestling experience and then you took on this team at that time that was historically had some good individual wrestlers but not necessarily a huge culture for wrestling itself and so tell me a little bit about trying to take what you now had discovered yourself and the type of wrestler that you were and then now you're in this wrestling room with uh within a culture that didn't necessarily have the same culture that you were familiar with in high school level
1: from the, my previous coaching experience, yeah 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 I mean uh, yeah, I mean after I listened after I was done and I kind of transitioned to come out here I, I think I was just in a i was an in between stage I wasn't ready to coach mm-hmm. like I wasn't ready to try to build something or. Mm-hmm. Or or um, go through the 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 process of doing it, and I kind of just was in that position. So coming from the other experiences, it was just uh, it was a struggle because I almost felt like I wasn't prepared quite yet for mm-hmm. it. And then when I watching, you know, the hero's journey and thinking about um, um, the idea of going back out and getting information and then making the return, Mm -hmm. um, learning more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't feel, I didn't feel whole yet. So I didn't feel like I had complete understanding with how I wanted to coach. And, and so that's when we decided to leave and travel.
0: Sure. Gotcha. Okay.
1: So yeah, it was, yeah it was a, it was definitely a different culture. That's for sure. It didn't make it easy. Mm-hmm. um but yeah that's i i kind of left because i i looked at the difficulty and i was like okay i'm not ready for this because you know the previous place it it was everything was working with each other yeah. and i was going up against um a culture that obviously was at the school but we can obviously uh, talk further about the idea that the culture within the community is kind of Um, still trying to find itself, you know, to reference Finding Joe, it doesn't realize that it's the statue made of gold, Mm -hmm. right? So I think the community and the culture still struggles with um, the historical past uh, a little bit too much, and that's what kind of really pushed us away to go find out more information, whether it was we needed to go somewhere else to live or... We needed to find some more information. I knew that I needed to go back into the woods and and learn more about myself and 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 about what I wanted to do like we yeah. talked in the last yeah. uh, last time we sat down like I needed to find out what I was here. To do and to explain.
0: Sure. So let's let's spend a couple minutes just doing a an overlay of for individuals that may not fully grasp um, the hero's journey, be familiar with the hero's journey, um, in this idea of Joseph Campbell's work, uh, who studied. Uh, he was an anthropologist, uh, historian, anthropologist studied myths, uh, all these different cultures, all these different civilizations, and he found this common theme within all these different. Uh, ancient stories, right? Well, they're ancient stories, and then also common story, modern stories, that there was this theme, um, and that was kind of like in a circular motion. And I think that's uh, definitely important for us to come back and revisit that. But this idea that you start wherever you're at, this ordinary, wherever ordinary is for you, and this idea of getting a call, and typically when we get this call um at least in my experience has always been um there's a resistance to that call there's a refusal for that first call um I know in my case it was are you kidding me <laughs> it's way out of my comfort zone Though um, it very much may be um, exactly what I need to do and exactly what I've been wanting to do, but you know that fear of what if it, it seems to lie there. But ultimately, this call then leads to the separation, which is the first phase of, of going through, of, of separating from the ordinary, separating from wherever you're at to this next next place. And then you cross this threshold. And that's what referred to, um, as you refer to the woods, um, or could be the dark night of the soul or, um, you know, the belly of the whale, it, it has many, many different forms. And there is where we face um, face the mirror face our own dragons face our own, um, whatever those things that are holding us back from being who we were originally designed to be. Um, but we also aren't doing it alone. Um, there's mentors, teachers, guides, uh, helpers that come into this. Um, but there's this idea of um, when we're in the woods that metaphorically, um, there's some kind of death that's going to happen. Um, in the Christian spirituality, it's that, that, that part of the story where you have to um, die of self to be born anew, and then you, you move on to the next, um, aspect of your life, which is in the third. Um, so that second phase is initiation. And then the third is this return home. So what has been learned, the gold that has been, um, mind that has. Um, whatever that's been achieved, whatever has been realized is then to return and bring back to the people, um, back to the community at, at whole. And, um, and that in itself is a whole process of how am I going to do this? How am I going to bring it back? Um, are they going to accept it when I bring it back? Um, uh, just as again, using that Christian spirituality, um, Uh, story is that, well, what good can come from Nazareth, you know? And, um, and that when Jesus returns with this new way of doing spirituality, um, they were like, you can't be the son of God. We know who your father was. We know who your mother was as if it was literal, not uh, of of what he had, um, had evolved into. Right. And so, so this so this idea of this circle um, for you, um, you talked about a couple different things. You, you know, last time we were here, you talked about recognizing that the programs that you were at, at um, University of Illinois and the University of Nebraska, um, you know, this honor that for some people, that's, that is the gold ring just to be able to wrestle um, at the, D, uh, the D1 level. And for you, it was not what it was supposed to be. Um I just just recently came across um, something that was a quote um, from Jim Carrey. He goes, "I wish um, something to this. I'm going to tear it out, but something to this effect. Um, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so that they would know that it's not all it's not all that's cracked up to be." And um, and I think that sometimes that happens, right? We we get to where okay, this is it. This is this is what we wanted, and then we get there and like, I don't know you know, and, yeah. uh, so that was a journey, right? I mean, that was part of it. And, Absolutely. and, um, and that was one part of that idea of maybe even that was the first time, maybe not the first time, but that was one of the times that you went through this process of, um, Absolutely, and, I
1: mean, when I, when I, my first experience, uh, with knowing that it wasn't, uh, going as planned. Um, it was very interesting, and I even had an experience a couple weeks ago that I had talked to somebody that um, I, I I have known for a long time, and they know me through the sport. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, if not a hundred percent, ninety eight to ninety nine percent of my interactions with them is in around is. Around the sport of wrestling, mm. so my my identity is wrapped up with wrestling. so the so so the first time that I basically didn't want to do it in the way in which everybody was telling me I had to do it, I really had to let go of the identity of who I was. Mm-hmm. and And this was extremely important because if I never, you know, I remember one of my first years in college at University of Illinois. I was still a little uh class clown. I guess you if you will like I I really wasn't focused on my academics. Mm-hmm. I wasn't focused on education. I wasn't focused on experience outside of wrestling. And so when things were struggling academically for me, I was like I'm here to wrestle. I'm not here to mm-hmm. uh be anything else. And you know we could go into detail about how um that was reinforced by the athletic department. Whether it was you have required, um, you know, required practice schedules, right? You, 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 you know, if you did struggle with academics, they would tell you to switch their switch your major so that you could make sure and be eligible and and uh, capable of getting to all the workouts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, the Division One atmosphere is is pretty contradicting for me because it takes a a special individual to go into that environment with the wide range of of goals and aspirations, you know, because if you go in, assuming you're a student or assuming you're an athlete, um, they really try to remind you that you're there to be an athlete, Mm -hmm. which is understandable. I mean, you're getting a scholarship to compete but at the same time um you have other obligations so it's it's a it's a hypocritical it's a bit of a hypocritical thing but regardless when i when i was going through those first struggles i started to have to look myself in the mirror and and say hey you better be something more than just a wrestler if this wrestling thing isn't going to work out if you don't want to be the person that everybody else wants you to be then you have to uh you have to develop in all areas
0: yeah so it's interesting when you just were saying that that at that moment you know 19 20 years old however you were um you get a you get a snapshot or a taste or a glimpse that this idea this activity this sport right is is really a metaphor for life. Uh, you're, you're training, you're doing all these things for this thing, of course, to win, right. And to become continually better. But really it's metaphorical. Uh, it's a, it's a pattern in which then you take it because at some point you and know, I've talked about this before, at some point you're going to stop wrestling. The physical part of you competing is going to come to an end, you know, or at least it's going to come to an end in that that fashion. I mean, I guess some of them continue with professional wrestling and and in in that element from an entertainment standpoint versus the you know the competitive. But even then, what small percentage of them go on and wrestle internationally or wrestle continually through you know in their thirties and forties. But even then, at some point, it comes to an end of physically competing. And if you haven't created anything more than that identity, you're just delaying accepting the call
1: yeah yeah no i've seen it time and time again with so many uh kids and like coaches that i've seen they stay in that that realm and you know for me it was really like um knowing the small percentage of people that go to the division one level in the first place to wrestle and then seeing how many people who never had achieved those goals um almost feel like like they felt pity or sorry for you because it didn't work out or it wasn't working out or mm-hmm. you didn't want and I was always confused like you know very few people do what I'm doing and I don't want to do it anymore but yet I still am viewed as somebody uh who uh somehow um isn't it isn't working out so sure yeah i mean it was it was a it was a learning experience but I, I'm super grateful that it didn't work out. Uh, I mean, there's many reasons why it didn't work out, but the fact that it didn't because I wasn't passionate about it, I knew that I needed to, um, look inward and, and look for other things, but
0: yeah. Mm. Well, and I think that is, and that's a big reason why I wanted to, you know, for us to start this conversation about the hero's journey is this initial part um, the, you know, I guess we could say phase one of the three phases of the hero's journey is this idea of separation, because I think it could come in a many different forms, right? It can come from something dramatic happening, like an accident or a divorce or, you know, a breakup or, um, a removal from school and arrest, you know, different things like that. Or it could happen with this idea of like you had said, um, this is, I don't know, I'm becoming disillusioned with this. It's, it's, it's losing its sparkle, and um, in 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 those there's the beginning of something's about to begin, right? Yeah. And and so I think either way, I guess though I, I think it's real important that we, you know, because we're both former competitors, right? And and even from a, a from a from a coaching from a fan standpoint, we both respect and honor. Competitiveness in, in watching athletes and, and different things like that. And I think it's important, um, and obviously, disagree with me, you know, but this idea that if you are going to do it, then do it at 100%. I mean, pursue it as if um, that you're going to be that half a percent that's going to make it. Um, because to not do it, I think, is worse. Yeah. If that's what you think you're being called to do, mm. I think it's.
1: It, Well, this is one of the reasons why I was so uh, excited that you reached out to talk about this specific topic because, um, you know, personally talking about my experience, you can, you know, my personal experience uh, to Chase becoming the best wrestler in the state of Illinois in high school, that was a hero's journey. That was a goal and aspiration Mm -hmm. to do. And then when that failed and that came to a close... I went to college, but at at that time it was really the end of one and the beginning of another journey, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I can vividly remember, you know, experiences. And maybe the call came, you know, the call comes knocking, right? At first, you hear the call, and then you you know you might ignore it fully, and then you hear the call again, and you might ignore it, and then you hear a call again, and it's like, hey, you better take this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And like growing up. You know my first wrestling match I lost, and it was devastating and i hate I hated the embarrassment that I felt from losing. I was six years old, mm-hmm. and like there's and I lost like some ridiculous match like there was no skill involved but i but I remember losing I didn't like it and so then I set out and I just went to practice for like two years. I'd never went to a competition, I just practiced and it was something that was fixated in my head with like okay, I'm gonna get good at this right and then you know. I I got better and better and better, but then, you know, I struggled with other sports, baseball and football. I was always a smaller kid, but I was very aggressive and very strong for my age. And but yet, coaches were you know they were parents and they were people that didn't know my potential, so they assumed what I had to offer was based on my size and stature, so that I I found myself getting pushed away. Mm-hmm. And those were though that was the call. I mean one of I can vividly remember uh, an experience that I was playing baseball and I had started every single um, inning in baseball. And at the end of the year, they selected all-star team. And the coaches sat me down and said, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, um, put so-and-so on the all-star team instead of you. And they tried to like break it to me nice, but the dad was one of the, the coaches – and he didn't play as much as me, so how could he be on an all-star team sure. if he didn't even play as much as me? And so it was that moment that I was like, I will never do a sport where other people are in in control. And uh, from that moment, I just said, I'm going to become the best wrestler in this town, and this, and I'm just going to become the best, and uh, and I'm going to win a state title, and I'm going to break the records in high school, and those were the that that was those were the calls that really just said hey go do it you know and that act that that initiated sure the process
0: so one of the things that I do a lot of speaking on is this idea of resiliency and developing resiliency and and one of the things that we we talk about is with helping facilitate that within students within within individuals is this idea of moving from an external locus of control, a victim stance, um, this is being done to me, to an internal locus of control. What am I going to do about what's happened, right? So um, how old were you when you were telling that story about um, the baseball story?
1: Sixth grade, uh, seventh grade. Seventh grade was the last year.
0: So maybe like 12, 11, 12. Yep. Something like that. And and so at twelve years old, let's say, you made a decision that this happened, right? Based upon other people making a choice, you easily could have taken the temptation of saying it was done to you. Yeah. And and then gone victim and and then, you know, you know, try to get somebody to advocate for you or to do something different about that, or you made a decision, I am gonna focus on um putting my own, putting my destiny in my own hands. And I mean, I know you didn't use those words at that time, but this idea of you are going to go, what, what can I control myself? I can control amount of effort that I put into this, how much I discipline myself. I can control if I win or lose from that element of it and not necessarily being, if I'm selected or not, because it's interesting when you talk about that, I think wrestling is similar to maybe, um, swimming, maybe another one that's similar to this is that you, and, and I think, um, track you are selected by for all state based upon your placement at the state tournament, not based upon, um, other people's opinion about how well you played. Is that, is that yep. true? Yeah. So, um, so it is interesting how, um,
1: well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how, like, because it's never a pinpoint to one exact example, but, like, growing up, I know my my dad used to always tell us uh, as kids that we could be as good as anybody else, that nobody else possessed anything special. Um, we could be the best at whatever we wanted to do if we were willing to do the things, you know. I remember hearing that a lot um, going through grade school, whether it was, you know, um, you know tag in gym class or you know a game of horse i was extremely competitive so i developed a competitive spirit throughout my upbringing because of the standard that my parents set Mm -hmm. um that you just you can always be the best if you want to be Mm -hmm. it and so just hearing that over and over again i think developed the resiliency to uh Giving myself the victor mindset versus feeling that you know I, again going back to the reason why I was super excited that you reached out to me is like I was just talking to some my high school wrestling team the other day and I was asking them about goals and goal setting and and what they believe they could achieve and you know again trying to put the call like see your potential is some you know um, specifically. Uh, I have other coaches that say, make sure you make make realistic goals and don't make unrealistic goals. And I tell the kids, I say, that's a lie. There's no such thing as an unrealistic goal. What he meant to say was that he doesn't believe that you're willing to put in the work that's required to achieve that goal. That's why he said it's unrealistic. He didn't believe in you. If he told me that when I was a kid, then I would never have made the unrealistic goals that I eventually accomplished. Mm-hmm. So the idea of an unrealistic goal is predicated upon the, the person who says it's unrealistic. If they say it's unrealistic, what they're really saying is that they don't believe you're willing to do what's required to, to accomplish it. And so I was talking to my, my wrestlers, and, and they're, they're starting to tell me goals as if, as if they're jokes. And I never have ever looked at a goal as a joke. Mm-hmm. Like I've, n- I've never said I could do something and then not believed it. Right, right. I wouldn't have said it if I didn't believe that I could mm-hmm. do it. Um, and I think a lot of kids are, at least the kids that I'm interacting with as of, as of recent, are being taught that if they say something, other people are laughing. And they're believing those other people when my parents never said, oh, you're going to do that, but they never said, ha, I don't believe that, Mm -hmm. right? They supported those things, but the people around me supported those things, said, you can do it, but it's going to be tough, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think uh, that's why I was really excited about this, because... The call is, is so—I mean, every single person that goes out for a sport is getting the call. Right. Why are they there? Right. It's a call. I don't right. know what got them to, to make the decision to go out for the team or, you know, get into the club or whatever the call was. Um, from that moment, it's, it's, it's their decision whether or not they answer it. And mm-hmm. obviously, like you said, answering it is— going for it sure not going just to be involved
0: do you think um like in this particular case uh this particular adult this coach whoever um about the idea of have realistic goals is it possible that that's coming from his own fear of his own not being able his own fear that he's not going to attain certain goals and he doesn't want to be disappointed and so then he then projects that onto the student athlete
1: yeah i think it's both i think that is one component absolutely um if you don't believe in yourself it's going to be hard for you to believe in other people Mm -hmm. uh two i just think um much like uh we're, we're talking about resilience right so if somebody possesses resilience they won't become cynical over time Mm -hmm. because of certain outcomes Mm -hmm. um it's a small percentage of people who actually answer the call and so if a small percentage of people actually answer the call over time if you do it for a long time you're gonna think that nobody's gonna do it right so you become cynical so i think in one sense absolutely it's his own insecurities projecting out to the students as is the parents and mm-hmm. and uh and and any friends that are around uh doing that as well but i really think a lot of it has to do with how people become cynical over time because they see little to no change of behavior
0: so it's interesting i was doing some um Uh, looking at some research that's on the brain Uh, um, and they were saying that the brain um, when uh, uh, as they measure the brain, brain waves or the uh, movement in the brain, um, what it's firing and stuff. That when when the when there is a perceived threat, a real or perceived threat, the brain fires a certain way. When an individual is being negative, critical, or cynical, the brain fires the same as if it's being threatened. So negativity and fear. The brain is responding the same way it's responding in the um, fight of the fight and flight scenario um, and so I know as a as a therapist many times underneath that um, iceberg of, of of criticism and negativity is some fear that Um, that I I don't want to be disappointed. Um, If I'm angry about it, if I'm being negative about it, then I don't have to talk and be vulnerable about my fear. Um, Because this I'm so uncomfortable with being disappointed. And the longer I stay away from it, the more uncomfortable I'm going to be. You know, you said something earlier, and i I thought of a couple of different stories with my son who, um, he, he wrestled and he played hockey, but his main sport was football. And, um, and there was, uh, well, well, two stories, one that you talked about this idea of, of someone speaking into you, kind of like your father spoke into you. And I didn't even know that I was what I was doing at the time, but Caleb was in fifth grade. He played defensive back and he was pretty quick for his age. And I, in the, in one of the plays, uh, wide receiver you know caught the ball and Caleb chased after him caught him from behind from scoring a touchdown right and we were leaving um the game and we were in the truck or whatever and I said to him I said I turned and I looked at him I said Caleb you need to know that whenever you choose to you will always catch someone from behind no matter what if you choose to you will always catch someone from behind and then consequently when he was in middle school, he did. And when he was in high school, he did. And when he was in college, he did. Um, it was when he chose to, he could catch whoever it was from behind. And that idea of being spoken into, um, I think it's, I think there's an element of that. I know that there were certain individuals in my life that spoke into that, um, along that same idea. Um, Caleb was you know, he was a freshman, gonna first year, uh, first year of football. I remember the summer he um, he gone to practice and um, gone to summer, um, not practice, but summer workouts. And I said, "So, how does it look? What are you thinking? Stuff like that." And he goes, um, "I'm going to start this year." And I was like, "Dude, you're in my mind." I'm like, "You're a freshman. Do you I mean let's?" I said, "Yeah, special teams, man. That's a great place to start." He goes, "No, I'm starting on the defense." And i was like and i- and I remember catching myself and not saying anything inside me. I was like, "Dude, that's a pretty big hard big hairy, audacious goal man that's a that's a pretty big one um and And for him, the idea um was that it was all about effort. He ends up going out the team preseason ranking for that defense that year was eleventh in the nation. He ended up being a starting cornerback. He was the only freshman in conference that started that year. Um, it literally was based on attitude. Granted, he was fast. He knew football. He, he had good football IQ. But he believed that there's no reason why I can't start. Yeah. And so I think there's there's something about that element. Um, um, and again, that element, that idea of. Um, accepting that call accepting that because for him to just like yourself to to leave high school it could be done then he could, he could be finished there um but to accept that next call at that next level well you're starting all over you're no one knows you you it doesn't matter what you've done in the past now you gotta you're starting over again and similar to you um after his, his second year of wrestling or a second year of playing football he said i'm done and it was a combination of reasons i think um but ultimately it was um it, it, it he was tired of it it wasn't the same for him anymore and um he didn't have the same hunger for it as he as he did as he did going into his freshman year when he when he was announcing only to me he wasn't announcing to anyone else but um that he was going to start you know and so i think this idea of Similar to when you're working with those young people, of of putting that call out there, um, uh, setting those expectations of of uh, of a goal uh, that we don't want. Um, it's like that idea: the difference between a goal and a mission. Right? Uh, a goal is something that you're going to attain. A mission is something that you're going to live for, um, and it's not going to be something you're going to attain in this lifetime. And and being able um, to pursue something. And if it's out of your comfort zone, it's about that journey—the the journey to attain something outside of your reach. You're going to get much more out of that than if you set low hanging goals. There's not even a good story there. There's, there's not even a good story.
1: <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that's where I led into um, speaking about with the with my team is the idea that you're going to create goals. And when you actualize those goals, you become somebody different. Mm-hmm. You become somebody who can create new goals, because you can't make all of these goals. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to encourage so many young people to 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 answer the call for sports, um, because it's a time you know when you're an adolescent into uh, high school, you're you have that time to do something Mm -hmm. right and sports are part of our culture it's part of what we do to fill time while we're young um and uh what i what i what i wish i could fully do is to explain that it's not that i think wrestling or 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 basketball or football or another sport is uniquely um better than another. it's that i think that if you choose to be honest with yourself and pursue your highest level uh of ability within those those um sporting opportunities you become somebody uniquely different that mm-hmm. you would have never been able to become if you didn't try to do that you won't go through the adversity right like if you don't try to become the best well then, you'll 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 have less adversity, right? You'll you'll question yourself a lot less if you're not trying to attain something that's very difficult to attain. So, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to explain that it's not that becoming a state champion is the most important thing in the world, uh, and if you don't attain it, you know, I didn't attain it. I lost, mm-hmm. but my my effort the. Trying to win a high school state title was something that, looking back, I put so much work into. Like, so much work. Mm -hmm. And looking back, that's what made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't try to do that, I would not be who I am today. Like, it just wouldn't—I wouldn't be that person. Now, I don't know what else I would have went down, and I I can't rewrite— my experience but i just know how much how beneficial it was for me to answer that call no matter how difficult it was along the way um i was never undefeated so it was never perfect um i woke up every day aspiring to be better than i was the the day before um i i had this idea that i always thought like i want to try to get there tomorrow but i i know that it might take a while Mm -hmm. i knew that i wanted to win a state title but i wanted to try to get there tomorrow sure and uh with that attitude i just i just put as much work in as possible Mm -hmm. i I lift i i lifted up every rock that i could find Mm -hmm. um i asked as many questions as i could um and that was the thing that has led me to becoming a person that i think when in that need of i want to say reinvention Mm-hmm. it was easy for me. Yeah. You know, we're talk we're we're doing a podcast right now, but because I was willing to put in that work, I dove into um education. I read I don't think I read probably more than three books up until I was 22, but then after that, I read so many.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um
1: because it you know, it's work. Yeah. And if you're not passionate about the the things that you're doing you don't want to do it so I, I wasn't really passionate about it growing up uh about reading about you know i wasn't i wasn't trying to read philosophy when i was uh 16 years old sure i right. wasn't trying to read about world religions i wasn't trying to read about um m- you know millionaires or billionaires explaining how they've uh gone through their life and experiences i wasn't trying to do that right. but after Um, wrestling was over and I was looking into this new uh, this new avenue of who I wanted to become I was curious and that curiosity led me to putting in the work um, and then finding uh, enjoyment through it
0: So let's. I want to. One other piece I want to make sure we touch on here again with this first phase of the idea of separation, separation from whatever the normal is. That call that comes out. Um, This idea of. when we get the call, right? So it it may be planted. So, so you talked about, there was different things that your parents did. Um, maybe even more specifically your your dad did of talking about, um, you can, you can be, um, the best, you could be, you know, good at something. If you put forth effort, it's up to you. And there was this idea of, um, uh, self-discipline, this idea of your effort that you put into it that they coincided with each other. Right. And then, um, and so those were some definite seeds that were planted some some modeling that was going on. And then it, it it was easy probably at that time because sports are a way of doing that, you know, because our options are fairly limited when we're when we're a young person if we're going to be competitive what what different avenues are we going to be competitive in? It sports is probably the easiest especially in the Midwest. And um and so um so this idea of being um competitive and then, um, and then it sounded like this idea that happened with when you were playing baseball, that you went from, you had this experience of um, when you first started wrestling and, and you felt and tasted what it was like to lose, you know, lose that match of that kid wrestling program. And then you practice to get better for a couple years. So then you're wrestling for a while and then you go out for baseball, you do well in it. Uh, against, so to speak, the odds because you've, you know, stature and, and all those things, but then not, not getting selected for an all-star team. And of course it's seventh grade all-star and, um, and, and of course it means everything in the world at that time. Of course, now having experienced a lot of other things, it may not have been the biggest thing in the world, but there was another element of, of, uh, of saying Of determining Alright I'm going to do this And you And you put that What appeared Put that mindset Into um, Into wrestling Many times though When Before we take the call There's fear um, It's why we don't leave normal That's why we don't leave the ordinary That's why we don't leave um, Our mother's bosom That's why we don't leave The the safety of that uh, Of that Family house Um there's this fear if if you think back on it, um what was that fear if there was a fear? well, no, not if if you can identify what the fear was at that time period um, not not it it probably carried through In grade school, middle school, high school, there was some element of fear because that's what you're being you're being called into. What was the fear?
1: yeah. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the ego mm-hmm. um, because uh, I think I think ego gets a uh, a bad rap sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like because if you have an ego, you're it's bad. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have an ego, you're good. Mm-hmm. And I think the ego is so important for us um, as creatures to to develop our. Our understanding of it and how to use it most effectively um, if you don't have an ego of some kind I'm not saying you know uh, it's not in check or understood you'll probably not try to um, aspire to be better than other people sure. because um, I think for me personally it was you know an ego thing as well trying to you know I was I don't want to say embarrassed, but I was annoyed that you know as a little kid everything that I was doing wasn't good enough that other people somehow were getting um, opportunities over me and so it developed a, a chip on my shoulder like I wanted to prove that I was worthy that I I knew that I was good and and better than capable of being better than everybody else right um, so a lot of my call uh, or at least um willingness to try to chase that potential was based on ego and i think my fear was not achieving that right Mm -hmm. like i think a lot of my fear was like i don't want like i had an an a strong ego of i can do this and if i failed it was not going to feel good and um physical stuff was easy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it never bothered me at all um, to train hard. I loved training hard. As you know, like after you get in shape, after you get your body like developing, like it's a drug itself. It feels sure. good. It yeah. doesn't feel bad to train hard when you're training hard. Right. It feels bad if you've never trained hard and then you train hard, that doesn't feel good at all. Sure, But if you're, you know, an athlete, I mean, training is actually, uh, you know, more of a drug than it is a, a hindrance. So, you know for me, I think getting started it had a lot to do with my pride. I had a lot of pride in myself and and the ego was was pushing me to be uh worthy of other people's praise, i guess, and the fear you know I think about I did not want to lose mm-hmm. because when i lost i i i hated I hated when people felt sorry for me mm-hmm. and I felt like that was such a um it was such a um blow to my ego in many ways that that people were oh i'm sorry to hear that you lost oh that's tough you know and uh that that bothered me so much that fear of feeling like that i think had a lot to do with with really making the call cuz again this is you know fast forward that was something that I had to deal with mm-hmm. that I've learned about and like I've been able to I don't want to say cope but I don't care as much as I used to if somebody mm-hmm. says oh it didn't yeah. work out it's like
0: yeah, yeah it didn't work out <laughs> so so here's the interesting thing about that part is that and I think that's it's important for people to, to fully grasp right so uh, like in our case we're looking backwards and, and looking at Talking, you know, telling the story from, you know, from a, the beginning of the book, right, and and looking at it, but I think for a teaching point and learning point for other individuals as they're going through different things, and and being able to name that, um, name that fear, right, and so there's there's some element of in itself strength and power that comes from naming that, that fear or that thing that we, it's, I think another phrase that we use is either you're chasing after a dragon, dragon, or you're being chased by a dragon and what, which is it? And so, um, or in some ways it may be both, it may be a tension between the two. I know for me, and maybe this, at least it sounds similar to what you were saying is I remember being invisible I I clearly remember being overlooked and what it was like to not be selected in the, in the first five or the 15 boys picked, um, when we're playing kickball at recess, you know, and I remember that feeling. Um, and and at the same time I'd be picked first later on and I would downplay it. So there was this element that, um, I didn't want to be picked. I, I didn't want to be, um, invisible. And then there was that other part that inside, I knew that in itself wasn't everything. Um, But I know for me that that was an element and it sounds like very similar to yourself of those were experiences that didn't just come from one particular person, right? It was a a cumulative um, that you wanted, uh, you were driven um, to address. And there was opportunities um, where you could have gone Gone victim, gone, you know, just turned it over to, I have no control over it. These are outside circumstances. I can't do anything about my height. I can't do anything about these things. Um, and in, in this element that taking it to that next level, that call of how can I find out? Um, and those were some of the things that we're going to talk about in the future, about this idea of what happens in initiation, what happens when we separate and we cross that threshold. Um, it's the same things that we we were aware of in the initial part, in the normal, those, those fears, those concerns, um, those things we don't want other people to know about us. Um, uh, you're right. It all lies psychologically in our ego. It, it without a doubt, it, it lies there. Um, and I think you're right too. The ego is not, Um, it's not good or bad. It is good and bad. Um, it's, it's not both. I mean, it is both. It's not one or the other, that this idea it's about living within the tension, living in the dance of that and, and being aware, um, that, you know, like anything like food, too much of it, (laughs) there's going to be a problem. And, um,
1: yeah, I mean, when I think of it, the ego, it's just that I think of it as a, you know, you know, I won't say I like the, the, the dog that's constantly wandering in your in your in your body right like it can get wild and it can run away or you know and you have to like you have to notice it and train it and focus it you know we're mention you mentioned um, the the habitual um nature of negativity right like as you become negative you you start to um um, enjoy the negativity right <laughs> and so I think that's a person that's unaware that they're capable of um, enjoying negativity <laughs> right like I the the ego is, is at least the, the idea of the ego is cool because you at least acknowledge that there's something <laughs> right and that's why I don't think you should say it's good or bad I think you should just say it you yep. know because then you can address it and understand that, oh, maybe I'm going down. Maybe that's not productive. Because no. ultimately, it's all about productivity. How is it helping you become a better version of yourself? Because like I said, the ego uh, that fuels the pride, I mean, that's not always a negative thing. Right. Right? Um, and uh, I think that's also why in society, we see people with um, um, not what we would deem as a healthy um, um, ego simply because some of what society allows is is those negative aspects of the ego to uh, fulfill um self fulfill themselves. You know, you can you can do really well and and uh and and not have a balanced uh approach to your ego, I guess right. is what I'm saying. So you know, as long as you take away certain um um societal things like you know wealth or or power these types of things of of uh, that are constructs of our society that we live in um and then you look at the ego i think you can do a better job but you know you can be very arrogant and 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 prideful and it can it can serve you well but it it might not um serve you well from a um a balanced approach
0: like right. you were talking about well and I think ultimately you know it's this idea of um, success whatever that is deemed as success may not be growth yeah that's it an exactly. and in growth in development by some may not be considered success in society in society or by certain measurements but ultimately whenever we grow and develop it, it is ultimately always about giving back to others, giving back to the community as a whole, to the planet, to to other people. And that in itself is life giving, that in itself is going to continue um inviting other people into it yeah. and continue that um that element of of you yourself uh it it um it's self sustaining, right? Yeah. And where um some definitions of success um, may not be self-sustaining. It may be a one and done. And, um, and that in itself um, is an interesting story. And so, well, I definitely would want to continue our conversation, and maybe the next time we get together, or or definitely the next time we get together, I'd like to talk about this idea of crossing that threshold and then going into the initiation and what that is like, and what that was like for you, and what that's like for you now as a coach with some of your uh, some of your young guys. So,
1: absolutely, thanks, man. Thanks, Dalton. We'll do. All right. <laughs>